Welcome to the Urban Church Podcast. If you would like more information about Urban, please visit our website at lifeaturban.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the message. In Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 10, and then we're going to jump to chapter 4. Exodus 3 verse 1 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I will turn aside to see the great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw him turn aside, God called to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Verse 10, Moses, come and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God, you've got the wrong person. He said, but I will be with you, Moses, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses, still arguing with God, doesn't believe he's the right person. Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me nor listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. He said, Throw it to the ground. So he threw it to the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Moses, what is that in your hand? Now fast forward to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14, verse 13. Now if you know the story, you know this, that Moses did go in and, and he approached Pharaoh and he said, hey, let my people go and... Man, ten signs or ten miracles took place, and finally Pharaoh says, okay, get out of here. Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they come to the place called the Red Sea. Okay, in verse 13, and Moses said to the people, fear not. Why, why were they afraid? Because the Red Sea's in front of them, and the Egyptians are coming after them to kill them. They have no way to turn. Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. The Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground, and if you read on, you realize that's exactly what happened. Now let's jump to the New Testament, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. 
Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 10. And on their return, the apostles told Jesus all they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had been uh, in need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and give provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, we, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And he had them sit down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 It's football season. Anyone want to play catch? Yeah. <laughs> when I was back in Vegas, I remember one morning and I was in a, in a hurry to get to work, and so I, I got all my stuff together, and I ran out to my car, and man, I got in the car, and all of a sudden I realized, wait a second, where's my wallet? And I started looking around for my wallet, looking at my car, couldn't find it, and so I quickly ran inside, and I started looking everywhere for my wallet and the place I normally keep it, and then I gradually digressed to places it should have never been, you know, in the blender. Why would my wallet be in the blender? You ever had those moments? You lost something? Okay, I'm going to look everywhere until I find it, Okay. And I was looking everywhere frantically. I'm trying to find my wallet and I'm running around and pretty soon I'm pulling the cushions off the couch and I'm looking under the couch and I'm looking in this place and that place and my wife's like, honey, what's wrong? And I'm like, babe, I, I can't find my wallet and I'm in a hurry and I need to stop at Starbucks. Come on, somebody. That's why I needed my wallet. Forget about the license you need to drive. I needed cash to get a coffee. And I'm looking everywhere, and, and I'm looking, I'm frantic, and I'm like, man, where is it at? And all of a sudden, I'm looking at her, and she starts smiling, and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting a little irritated, why are you smiling? She goes, Ben, what's that in your hand? I look down, and lo and behold, there was my wallet in my hand the whole entire time. Yeah, it's easy for you to sit out there and laugh at me, but you all know the exact same thing has happened to you. Where's my sunglasses? And they're on your head the whole entire time. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> Where was my, it was in my hand the whole entire time. Can I be honest with you tonight? A lot of us live our life like that. We are frantic going, running around looking for answers and looking for a way out of this circumstance or looking for a way out of this situation or, or looking for the answer to this or looking for the answer to that, much like Moses in Exodus Believe saying, God, I'm not the right person. I don't have enough in me. And God, I, I, I don't have it all together. Or, or God, and God looks at Moses and Moses, what's that in your hand? A wallet. <laughs> what's in your hand? And some of us are running around like that. And I feel like God just wants to stop you tonight and say, hold on. Stop being so frantic. You have the answer inside of you. See, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that, that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says it in Peter. 
God has given us everything we need. The Bible says in Romans that God has given each and every one of us a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is what you need to make it through anything you're going through. Are you with me tonight? That measure of faith is, is, is big enough inside of you to make it through the greatest of obstacles. For the Bible says this, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could look at that mountain and say, be cast into the sea, and guess what? It's going to be done for you. Wow. Think about that. But too many times we live our... See, the Bible says that we're to walk by faith, not by sight. That, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is truly what separates us from the rest of society. Are you with me tonight? Is that we are people of faith. That when other people are doubting and other people are in fear and other people are running around frantic looking for their wallets, we can sit there with a smile on our face and say, hey, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? What's in your hand? See, I, I just saw this football back there, so I thought I'd bring it up there uh, for, or here for an analogy. This is how silly we look as Christians sometimes. Say I'm walking around, I'm like, man, I wish I had a football. I just want to play catch with somebody. And I just, man, gosh, I wish I had a football, man. I mean, geez, where, why can't I find a... If I just had a football, and I mean, look at all these people, I could play catch with you. I wish I had a football. Okay, now that looks silly. But you know, that's the way you and I look sometimes. We, we, we look silly. We're running around like, God, the world's falling apart. And God looks at us and says, hold on. Well, what is that in your hand? What do you have? I believe this. I believe as, as Christians, we need to be walking by faith, not by sight. We need to be walking according to that which God has, has given to us. Here is Moses, and Moses is on the backside of the desert. Long story, you can read all of Exodus, figure it out later. Moses is in the desert tending to sheep. And, 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 you know, if you know anything about sheep herding, which I'm sure you all do, because you live in downtown or somewhere nearby, so. Most herders had one of these, well, not quite like this. It probably wasn't bamboo, but it probably wasn't as beautiful as this one, but. Most of them had, you know, a staff or a stick. And that staff or that stick was used for something. It was used to fight off the bad people. I mean, animals that would, that would try and come and get the sheep back. It was, it was used to try to bring the sheep in that were straying away. Okay? It was used for things. Now, here's what we have to understand. When God looks at Moses and says, Moses, what's that in your hand? We have to understand something because we can just say, well, it's a dead, dry stick which is essentially what Moses said. But we have to understand, when God came to Moses, God already had the plan. He already had it together. He, I mean, he created Moses, honestly, for this moment. And so here, it doesn't matter if he's in the desert or not. See, that's the cool thing. It doesn't matter where you're at. God can find you anywhere. Because it's his plan, not yours. So God finds Moses back to the desert, says, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to lead the people. I don't think you got the right guy. And he argues and he argues and he argues. And then, you know, he starts to get a little bit encouraged when God starts, okay, yeah. And all of a sudden he doubts again. He's like, no, 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 no. They, no, I'm not the right one. They're not going to believe me. 
So he says, well, what, what's that in your hand? It's, it's just a staff. Here's, here's what we've got to understand. The staff represented more than just a dead, dry stick. That staff in his hand represented everything he was. Why? Because he was a sheep herder. Was used to fight off animals. Was used to bring the sheep in. Now, here's the, you, if you understand the Bible times, a sheep herder was like the lowest job you could ever have. And it's bad enough he's doing it for his father-in-law. Just made a bad thing worse, okay? What do you do? I, I, I sheep herd. For who? Um, okay. What? That's new. Huh? My father-in-law. This represented his livelihood. This represented who he was. This represented his influence. I have influence over sheep and maybe my kids. This represented his strength, what he used to fight off the animals. This represented his living. It was, it was, it was limited, yes. Okay? So when God looks at him and says, Moses, what's in your hand? God, God knew something. God knew what that represented. Moses says, well, I got this, this cool-looking bamboo stick that I found at Pier 1. Why? I want you to take that and I want you to throw it to the ground. Sure, I found it on the ground. Not a big deal. I'll throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. The minute he throws it on the ground, the Bible says it becomes alive. And it's a snake. Moses freaks out and runs. He's looking at the snake. He's like, whoa, this is a really weird day. <laughs> Bushes are on fire and talking to me. Okay? Now, how many know if, if, if a bush is on fire and it starts talking, you're probably going to listen? All right? I mean, it's not like your pastor talking to you. You don't have to listen, but just kidding. But if you're walking down State Street right over here and all of a sudden you walk by that, you know, that bush, you're like, whoa! thing's on fire and it's talking to me. I'm probably going to investigate what it has to say. Okay? And now, you know, to, to make a bad day, I mean, come on, you're a sheep herder working for your father-in-law, burning bushes are talking to you. And now, the staff that I bought at Pier 1 comes alive. Okay? And then he says this, hey, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out and I want you to grab it by the tail. And so he reaches out and he, and he grabs it by, by the tail. And the minute he touches it, the Bible says it becomes a staff again. Wow. We're done. Let's close our eyes and pray. Just kidding. It comes alive. Sorry. It, it comes, al comes alive and then back in his hand, it's, just, it's like, whoa. Which tells me this, that if you keep who you are in your own hands, it stays dead. But the minute I release it into God's hands in obedience, it becomes alive. See, there's too many of us that are, that, are, that, are, that are keeping what we have. No, right here, this is mine. I like hurting sheep. Not hurting them, but hurting them. <laughs> Bad sheep, you know. I, I, you know, I like that. Okay? And we try to keep who we are. See, remember the staff represents who he was. And we try to keep who we are in our hand. We want to we have control of our life. And we want to, but the Bible says this. The Bible says this, that if you want to go after Christ, you must what? Die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after him. When it's in your hands, it's just dead, dry stick. When you release it into God's hands, it becomes alive. Moses, what, what's in your hand? 
What is in your hand? Here's the cool thing, though, that once he takes it up again, there has now been a transfer. See, before he was just influential over some sheep. Before he just was, was governing some sheep, and they weren't even his. There was, there was father-in-law's. Before he was in the desert, but now because he released what he had in his hand to God, now God did something to it in that process. And when he picks it up, now he's not going to be leading sheep. Now he's going to be leading the children of Israel. Wow. That's pretty significant. I was in the desert leading sheep, and now with the same staff, with the same person, with the same gift I had out there, what happened? I released it to him, and because I released it to him, now it has power, now it has purpose, now it has greater influence. When it's in your hand, it's dead, it's dry. When you release it to God, now he, he caused it to come to life. He caused it to come to life. And here's the thing. If you understand, I wish we had time to talk about it. If you understand the life of Moses, Moses was a murderer. The very reason why he was living in the desert is because he was running for his life, because he killed somebody. See, you don't have to have it all together. The very reason why Moses was arguing with God is because he stuttered. I, I can't speak. He had insecurities. He had impurities. He was uncertain. Will they really believe me? In other words, he wasn't perfect. And I don't know, that gives me hope. That means God can use me. Because I know me and I ain't perfect. Are you with me? Because that gives you hope too, because you're not perfect either. Wish we had time to talk about all that tonight. But the thing I, I want to talk to you most about is what happens when we give it to God. What happens when we release it to his hands? Luke chapter 9, same principle, New Testament. Luke chapter 9, great story tonight. Here are the disciples, and if you you rewind, you understand this, that the disciples had come to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus gave them authority and power over unclean spirits to go out and heal people and all this stuff, and then he sends them. And when we pick it up in, in Luke 9, verse 10, we see that now they're coming back from their little missions trip, and as they get back, they're so excited to tell Jesus everything that took place. And they come to them, they're like, Jesus, man, this happened and that happened and this thing, and wow, this was really cool. And the whole reason why they were drawing away is so Jesus could just spend time with them. But then the people here, wait a second, Jesus is out there, and all of a sudden now a multitude comes. And Jesus, moved with compassion, starts healing the sick and ministering to people and telling them the truth of God's love. And so now the disciples get involved in that too. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a really long sermon. Praise Jesus. The day keeps going and going. The Bible says it was a long day. The people didn't say anything. Matter of fact, the people weren't leaving. It was the disciples that came. The same disciples that a moment ago were talking about how awesome it was. You with me tonight? And they come to him and they're like, yo, Jesus, I, th- I think the people are probably hungry. It's been a long day. If we could really interpret what they're saying, they're like, dude, I'm hungry. <laughs> and if we don't get rid of these people, we're going to be here all night long. All night. Jesus, I-, I think the people, they probably need some food. So why don't we go ahead and send them away, and while they're doing that, maybe we can get something to eat too? Sound good to you? Right? I mean, it's a great message. Don't get me wrong. What's in your hand? Good message, Jesus. like it a lot. But I, I heard this one like two months ago at the other you know, place where people gathered you. 
And uh, I mean, it's getting better, Jesus, but I mean, I'm, I'm just hungry. Hungry. So if we could let the people go, that'd be good. Jesus says this, um, I got a better idea. Yeah? What's in your hand? Why, why don't you give them something to eat? Because um, we don't have anything. I'm not hiding five loaves and two fish behind my back. We, we, we don't have anything. The other Gospels say this, that Jesus looked at them when they said, we don't have anything. Jesus said, why don't you go see what you do have? Stop talking about what you don't have and go see what you do have. See, too often times we talk about what we don't have. I don't have enough money. Well, how much do you have? Two dollars? Awesome. Give it to God. Well, I, I, don't, I don't have much. Well, what do you have? I mean, I have, a, I have a car that's missing a headlight. Okay, well, you know, awesome. You got a car. We talk about what we, we don't have. Well, I don't, I don't have a, a wife. Well, there's lots of single ladies here. Keep coming to church. Okay. I don't have a husband. Well, too bad. There's not that many available guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we talk about what we don't have rather than what we do have. <laughs> Jesus tries to get him to change. Well, what's in your hand? Well, I mean, we have, you know, a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. Oh, so you do have something. Yeah, but there is no way that it's going to feed all these people. Okay, these were the same guys, okay? These were the same people that just went out and saw miracles happen. Same people. See, the test comes. I'm going to send them on their mission trip, see how they do, and then when they, I'm really going to test them. The test came from Moses. I mean, God, God says, Moses, what's your hand? It's a stick, boom, serpent, picks it up. Okay, go lead the people of you know, Israel out of Egypt. Okay, I'm gone. Goes and, 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 and goes to lead the people out. Pharaoh says no, like ten times. And so God does ten miracles. That whole time building Moses' faith that this is going to happen. And then finally, Pharaoh says, okay, just get out of here. Just leave. I have to think that in Moses' mind, that was it. It was over. Okay, woo! We're out of here. We're gone. Okay? And they start walking out. All of a sudden the report comes. Hey, the Egyptians are coming after you. That, that, that wasn't a part of my plan. It was not. And they walk out. I'm sure they're walking a little faster now. And they get to the Red Sea, and there's the Red Sea. Wow. There's the Egyptians. Red Sea. Egyptians. Red Sea. Moses is afraid at this point. And he does something. He does the whole Braveheart. Anybody seen Braveheart? Where he's riding on that, that horse and his face is painted and he does this whole speech. Such an awesome part of the movie. And then he gets tortured at the end. Anyway. He does the whole Braveheart speech. He's like, guys! Like, yeah. Don't be afraid. Even though he's freaking out on the inside. Okay? Don't be afraid. For God will deliver us today and these Egyptians are all going to die. That's what the Bible says. And then, look at this. You've got, you got to see this, because it's right. I don't want you to think I'm making this up, okay? So if you, if you have your Bible, just flip back to Exodus 3. 
We're just going to finish up here in a minute. You having fun tonight? Oh, I'm sorry, Exodus 14. I am too, thank you. Exodus 14. Look at this. He gives the whole, the whole Braveheart speech thing. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? He said this, You big crybaby. Read your Bible. Why do you cry to me? I mean, here he is, the Braveheart speech and everything. How do you know his, his little Braveheart speech just went, like deflated balloon. I was just giving a speech. Why do you cry to me? Listen to what it says. Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Now, this is what I want you I want you to lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And guess what he did? He lifted up his staff, stretched out his hand, the sea parted. What was it? It was a test. It was a test. Moses parted that sea. God says, Stop crying to me. Take what I've given you, take what I've put back in your hand. You, you, you laid it down, I caused it to come alive. Now take what I put back in your hand, stretch it out, part the water, and let's get going with this thing. Stop crying to me. Luke chapter 9, guys, what do you have? Well, we have five loaves and two fish. Awesome. For time's sake, I'll just paraphrase. Awesome. Awesome. Give it to me. The Bible says he takes it, he lifts it up towards heaven, and he blesses it. And after he blesses it, he breaks it. And after he breaks it, he gives it back to the disciples. And then the disciples give it to the people. God will take what you have. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a dead, dry stick. It could be a broken relationship. It could, be, it could be ugly looking finances. It could be the cry of your heart. It could be your dream. It could be some. It doesn't matter what it is. God will take what you have. He will take it into His hands. And He will bless it. And in the blessing process, He'll make it come alive. And as it begins to come alive, look at what He does. He breaks it. Now listen to me. The breaking process is usually no fun. But there is no miracle until it's broken. The miracle did not take place when he took it. The miracle did not take place when he lifted up the bread and the fish and blessed it. The miracle took place because it was a miracle of multiplication when he started to break it. And he broke that off. And then he broke that. And every time he would break it, there was more. And there was more. And there was more. And there was more till 5,000 plus people ate that day. Why? Because people were willing to give God what was in their hand. I got a question for you tonight. What, what's in your hand? Are you running around frantic? Are you running around scared? Are you running around fearful? Are you searching in every place other than just taking a moment to stop 
and look at your life and realize, wow, God, you've given me everything I need to overcome this situation. Wow, God, you've given me everything I need to see this marriage work. God, you've given me everything I need to see this financial circumstance turn around. God, you've given me everything I need. Stop running around and take a moment and stop. Look at what's in your hand. Hear the voice of God. Give it to Him. Allow Him to take it. Bless it. Break it. Give it back to you so that you can go and you can minister to people. What, what, what is it? There's, there's probably personal things, but not just personal things. What about the kingdom of God? What, what, what things do you have to offer to the local church, whether this be your church or maybe you go to another church? What, what do you have to offer? Well, I don't have much. Well, you got two arms. Yeah, great. We need help loading up tonight. My arms disappeared. Well, I, I have a mouth. Awesome. Can you say hi to people at the door? Can you sing? Can you minister to children? But what do you have to give? Stop looking in fear. Stop looking in insecurity. Stop looking and just say, God, I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to get involved. What about your job place? What about in your personal life? Here's the cool part. The cool part is this, is at the end of Luke chapter 9. Look at this. And they all ate and were satisfied. All, 5,000 plus. Why were they satisfied? Because people were willing to give God what was in their hand. They were satisfied, which means they were full. Wow. Filled up. Not only that, check this out. And what was left over was picked up. Twelve baskets of broken pieces. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets, each one of them. Here you go. Oh, what's that? Just, just a little reminder. Just, just a little reminder. So next time, give God what's in your hand. Here, here you go, Peter. Oh, wow. Here you go, John. Wow. Here you go, Matthew. Here's your basket. Why? Because he does exceedingly and abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. Give him what's in your hand. Give him your talent. Give him your gift. Give him your life. Lord, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you that your word is so wonderful. God, we thank you that your word is practical. God, we thank you that your word is true. Lord, I pray that tonight, God, as we conclude this service, that each and us would take a moment. God, we'd take a moment to examine our life and see what we have to give to you. Just with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I want you to just take inventory on your life for a minute. Because it doesn't matter who you are tonight doesn't matter. See, a lot, of, a lot of times people don't want to address what's in their hand because once they discover what's in their hand, then they realize they have to do something with what's in their hand. A lot of people would like to just keep the focus off themselves. But what's in your hand? What do you have to give to God tonight? What do you have to give to people? What, what, what can you give Hallelujah. Don't allow fear. Don't allow insecurity. Yeah. Just with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, you're thinking, and I, I, 
As we were praying tonight, getting ready, I felt like God said this. I felt like God said there's going to be those tonight that walk in with the spirit of fear. But God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. God's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Don't walk in fear. Don't give in to the fear. Walk in faith. Knowing and believing that as you give what you have to God, God's going to do His part. Hallelujah. Some of you have insecurities tonight. Some of you walked in tonight and you have impurities in your life. God's saying, I don't care. I need you. Just like I needed Moses. And if I have to go to the backside of a desert to find you, I'll go to the backside of the desert to find you. And I'll call you and I'll call you by name. You can never run from the call of God. Hallelujah.